Hello there, welcome. You are listening to Pride and Prejudice, an inclusivity segment on Radio Karwa that is meant to create awareness about LGBT pride and identity and the prejudices against the community. This is Aparna. Joining me every week will be a guest from the community who will share their journey with us. All views expressed are that of the host and the guest and not the radio station or any of its affiliates. Before listening any further, please remember that this segment is intended to educate, not offend and may not be suitable for children. My guest for today is Dr. Arvind Neelakantan, also known as Dr. Neel, who's from Bombay. He has been an active member of the DFW community for the past 14 years. Dr. Neel is an ophthalmologist with a special interest in glaucoma and cataract surgery. He is openly gay, having come out seven years ago, has one son, and is passionate about Desi LGBTQ issues. Welcome to Radio Karva, Dr. Neil. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, thank you for having me, Aparna. Thank you so much for joining us. Where are you from, Dr. Neil? So I was uh, born and raised in India, uh, in Bombay, pretty much. I spent the last couple of years in Chennai uh, at Shankar Netralia, finishing my training before I went to the UK. Uh, but pretty much I've lived 27 years of my life in India, 27 years out of India. Uh, the vast majority of it has been in the United States for the last uh, 20 odd years. I spent seven years in the UK before I came to the US. Wow, you've been all over. Where do you feel you belong? I am very much at home in the US, actually, with uh, all the current uh, uh, rage with uh, you know Black Lives Matter and the discrimination. I can very clearly tell you that uh, the US is a very, very accepting country of different racial uh, backgrounds and um, even though there are racial differences and, you know, things like that, I think the U.S. is, is definitely the place to be. What made you pick Dallas? So I, what brought me to Dallas, obviously, was my professional uh, abilities. I got uh, recruited by a group practice in town uh, after my fellowship in Miami. And um, I joined the group and then I eventually split from the group and I set up my own practice about seven years ago. Uh, I call myself Glaucoma Center of Texas. Uh, we deal with uh, very high complex uh, glaucoma disorders. Um, I have an associate. We have two offices, one in Dallas by Dallas Presbyterian and another office in Rockwell. And we are expanding. Um, I've spent about 20 years of my career uh, in glaucoma. I've, you know, I've done research. I've, I'm still actively uh, partially involved in some academics. And... Um, I do a lot of glaucoma surgery and trying to find the next uh, cure for the disease. So that's one part of my life. And then um, obviously uh, I came out seven years ago and I'm, you know, very, act, very passionate about um, LGBTQ uh, issues in the Desi community, because as you know, um, the law just got passed a couple of years ago in India. So uh, things are changing rapidly. And, uh, you know, I just want to be a, a, an example for the younger generation. And if there's anything I can contribute to help them, you know, I'm available. That is really wonderful and commendable of you to come. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I knew of only three other orientations outside of straight. I knew of lesbian, gay, transgender. And then, of course, now we have what is an umbrella term, LGBTQIA+, right? Correct. The letters LGBTQIA refer to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, 
queer or questioning intersex and asexual or allied and the plus at the end refers to all identities that have not been covered here so what can you tell us about all these identities oh uh, um, you're asking the wrong person but i'm going to try so i think what okay. the the basis is i think you can't use sex to identify a person anymore is my understanding right. and uh, you know you know obviously the fight is that if you're born of a certain gender people presume that you have to be a certain gender but i think the current feeling is if you know i may be born a man but if i feel like a woman then i need to be accepted as a woman in the community uh by one and all because that's who i am truly so it's what your inside persona is rather than what your outside realm is and what what you came into this world as a lot of people think homosexuality is something that can be cured as a doctor what would you say to that oh it's complete humbug i think um if you know the american psychiatry association way back in the 1970s already uh, established very clearly that uh, homosexuality definitely is not a disease and cannot be cured um you know so we need to get past that and move along um it's prevalent in all communities regardless of race or uh you know which country you come from um i definitely think there's a genetic basis to it uh there may be some environmental influences that influence over top of it but uh, you know it's very prevalent and definitely not a disease absolutely not what kind of environmental influences uh, do you think uh you know i i, I don't know it could be that uh you know you grew up in a household where um there are a lot of females around you uh or maybe a very male dominant uh household environment but you still have to have a genetic gene within yourself i don't think it can only influence based on environmental influence is definitely genetic you you made a certain way you definitely made a certain way. you know okay. there are a lot of very uh, sexually straight people or metrosexual and that's very acceptable today in today's that's community true. you know i think it's actually attractive in fact not even acceptable if you're metrosexual so true absolutely so um so it's not uh, something that can be cured and it's not a lifestyle choice you're born gay right absolutely absolutely Okay so when did you first realize that you were different I think I realized myself personally I realized I was attracted to guys at age 13 maybe uh okay. I think it was in 9th grade I think back in India um but growing up I'll tell you I sucked at cricket uh you know you know you grew up playing cricket outside the house and I would be the one put in the periphery of the field and I'd be yawning I would catch the ball I'd get yelled <laughs> at I'd get bullied so you know Uh, I was one of those kids, never sporty. I was very active in drama, like music, and um, I think I, I I did all the other things that some of the normal friends. But my friends were still my friends, and I grew up with a very hardcore friends. And uh, but I knew I was very different from them. But obviously, I could not express what was within myself because it was considered anti, and I just had no role model. There was no role model around me. uh to express that self so this kept suppressed for a very long period of time how old are you dr neel i'm currently 54 okay so at that Actually, age 53 at currently 53 i'm sorry 53 okay so when you were uh, very young obviously at that time no social media no uh, no material around where people can read about stuff like this so i'm guessing if you did think you were different you probably didn't have a term for it or know much about it and you didn't have anybody to go around and ask Well I think I knew I was attracted to guys that was and I knew I was gay I knew the term gay having grown up in Bombay 
having grown up in Bombay in a pretty progressive environment, I think I knew the term gay. But that's all I knew. I did not know what it meant. I did not know what the lifestyle choice meant. And um, let me tell you, so Freddie Mercury was very popular. Those <laughs> right. You know, queen. queen. And, you know, I recently watched the movie Bohemian Rhapsody and it brought me back a lot, a lot of memories. Because he was an idol. You know, he, you know, he was openly gay. Um, and, he's, and, you know, he's from Asian descent. He's a Parsi. So there was some kind of resemblance. So there was some iconic figures that you watched and, you know, came about. But honestly, what it meant, uh, you know, could two men live together? Could you have a boyfriend? Uh, you know, uh, those were things that were very hard to fathom. So along the way, you know, I did meet other like-minded people and friends. And I had my own set of gay friends and groups. And if I think back, I probably also had somebody I had a big crush on. And he was a friend of mine. He lived in my neighborhood. And, uh, you know, I wish I had the courage to go and, you know, be his boyfriend or, you know, things like that. Because eventually he went on and I actually had a boyfriend. You know, I, I grew up in a culture where career was everything and you had to push yourself and, you know, the standard Indian middle-class family. So, Career came first before everything else. Everything else fell apart. So that's the path I pursued in, you know, within myself, yes, I was gay. And uh, did I have some friends along the way? Yes, I had some friends along the way. But that was secondary. What really mattered was your career goals and where you went through. So there really was no time to think about, oh, am I different? What am I going to do about it? Where does my happiness actually lie? Uh, you know, is that where the happiness lies? So I can... Probably say, you know, I should have had a boyfriend when I was 17 or 18, but I really did not. I just went on and, uh, you know, suppressed marriages and, uh, you know, pushed into career and family and moved on. So since um, you were talking earlier about how you never got into cricket and uh, you love the arts, and I know you're from a Tambram community and uh, music and uh, dance is very big in that community. So is that something that you got to learn as well? Carnatic music and the veena? <laughs> so it's funny, actually. So I, wanted to st- I actually wanted to learn the violin, but uh, you know, my parents said, no, 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 you can't. You've got to study. You waste- don't waste your time. <laughs> but my sister, my sister got to learn Carnatic music and dance. But it's really funny because the dance teacher used to come home and I probably picked up a little bit more than my sister <laughs> along the way. But I always, I, I tell my mother even today that I regret that you never professionally trained me because I do have a year of Carnatic music and I do hear, um, you know, uh, things of like that, but I never really professionally learned. So yes, um, I regret that. Never too late, Dr. Neil. You have adult classes sure. in DFW and I'm sure Zoom sure, classes sure. as well in these times. Sure. All right. So when, when you got to know that um, you were gay, who was the first person you spoke to in your family? I actually came out to my brother when I was 27. This was right before I was leaving India. You know, my brother said, okay. He said, I already knew that. He said, I knew. You know, that's all. That's not really care about it. You know, I grew up in a pretty open, very educated family. My parents were educated. And, but, you know, still we were kind of, you know, middle class uh, South Indian Brahmin family in India. Uh, in you know, certain subjects were still not very approachable um, or readable. So I, that's the first person I told him. And then there was really no talk about that for a very, very long time until I finally came out again in 2013. 
um, actually. And then, you know, everybody said, oh, we knew. They said, my, all they told me is, you know, we want you to be happy. That's all they told me. Very so progressive of them, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, my entire family has accepted me. Um, you know, I, I did get married to a woman along the way. How did that you know, come I had, about? I was at a certain age where hormones rage. And uh, you're at a place where all your people around you, your friends and colleagues are getting married. And you're at that stage. And even though you're gay, you have an earning for family. You're earning for your own progeny or kids. And that, that never goes away because you okay. want to do the right thing for the family. So that's the environment I was in. Um, and I um, had no role model. I zero role models to actually say, okay, I can stay single and get married to a guy and, you know, that kind of stuff and probably raise a family of my own. There were no apps. There were no, uh, there was no internet. There was no other forum to meet anybody. Um, you had to walk into a bar or a gay bar to actually meet somebody. Now, in India, obviously, there was no concept of that then. And unfortunately, there's no concept of that even now, currently. In India, you're talking about? In India right now. Um, fortunately for me, I was actually out of India at that point. I was in Scotland at that point. And um, it was a very tough choice. Uh, there was, uh, I was very lonely at one point. You know, you have work and your professionalism and you go and get your job done. But obviously within yourself, you're very lonely. And uh, I actually married a friend of mine. At, uh, you know, I, I, she was a colleague and a friend and um, we got married and we were together for 18 years. That's a long time. And you also said that you have a son and that he knows all about it. So he, he was as receptive as your brother and the rest of your family? Oh, yeah. I think the kids nowadays, at least when they grow up here, uh, even in India, I think the kids are exposed to, you know, most of And I think uh, he's been very accepting of me in every way and form. Yeah. That's really wonderful. Absolutely. We've spoken a fair bit about your upbringing, your family, your orientation, your path of self-discovery, your professional journey which led you to Dallas and all of that. You talked about growing up gay in India without having any role models as such. What was the homosexual culture in India like in the 70s and 80s? Right, so obviously I, you know, I, I turned 13 towards the end of late 70s, right? Late 70s is when I now turn around 13, 80s. So I can talk about the 80s. I can talk about the late 70s yeah, and the 80s. Right. So it was a bustling city. I was in Bombay. And, you know, um, you know, life in Bombay is all about, uh, you know, transportation. Everybody takes transportation. the suburban trains, right? You right. take the trains and you go to work and you come back and things like that. So um, I'm sure you've heard of Gadar. Gadar is when, <laughs> yeah. you know, you have a look and, you know, you have a radar around you and you're a real gay person. So that worked really well. Is that really so true? That, I've heard about it. That really works. It's pretty true. It's pretty true, actually. So uh, you can look at a person and say whether they're gay or straight. Uh, well, yes, you you can, but it's also the it's also the reciprocation that comes from the other side, right? It's not only one side. It's the reciprocation that comes from the other side. So okay. that kind of works to some extent. But unfortunately, there were really no meeting places. Uh, people were in parks and uh, and even the United States in those days, it was the same scenario. You've heard of George Michael getting, you know, of course, uh, caught up in a park. So it's very similar. It was a very similar kind of scenario. It was uh, parks and, uh, you know, public places where the Kedar, that's how you met somebody. And then eventually, you know, it, you know, uh, that's how you meet and then you form a group of people and then 
you know, uh, it's somebody's house, people got together and that's how, you know, the community was. And the community stayed that way for a very long period of time. So, um, you know, sodomy or, you know, homosexuality was illegal for a couple of years in India. So if you were arrested, you could actually be jailed. 377. Uh, 377. So um, at least now today there are apps, you know, so all the apps that are currently in the United States to meet the meeting apps also exist in India. But unfortunately, there's no safe meeting places. So the safe meeting places did not exist then and they still don't exist now. A meeting is still, again, within confines of, you know, people arranging places to meet. I believe now in India, they have regular parties on the weekend where people meet and it's all by SMS and WhatsApp. And that's how people connect and know this is where the meeting place is for a weekend. But, you know, like in the United States and the rest of the world, I actually recently traveled to South America. and You know, most cities that I've traveled to across the world, you know, you do have gay meeting places where you could go uh, get a drink and talk to other people or uh, meet some other people, like-minded people. So that certainly doesn't exist in India due to various political pressures. And um, it'll be wonderful um, if that ever changed at one point. Um, there was an activist at my time when I was growing up called Ashok Rao Kavi. He worked for, uh, for Times of India and uh, the Illustrated Weekly. It was an old publication. And um, I remember talking to him and uh, he's, he was outright forthright gay at that point, uh, putting things across. And, uh, but you know, it always gets muffled down the political noise um, and uh, the, you know, the righteousness, you know, so-called open inverted, closed inverted commas, righteousness. And so we really didn't exist. But uh, Mumbai Pride existed. There was Mumbai Pride uh, before the COVID crisis hurt, uh, hit actually in uh, late uh, December, I think. Um, so there is a big movement in India and things are changing. But uh, in my time, certainly, it was all very covert. It's very covert, it was underhand. Um, uh, there were a lot of married people in the closet, uh, you know, so that existed for a very long time. So it was, it was very tough. It was very tough. I cannot deny that. I, you know, I went through medical school um, in the closet, you know, uh, hanging out with friends. And it's just, it, you just, ha- you led two lives. You just led two lives for a very long time. So what made you think of coming out finally in 2013? Oh, happiness. It was time. You just could not be. You had to be happy at some point. Was there something that pushed you towards it? Was there some sage advice that you got or? uh... No, I think it was just time. It was just just time. You just knew? It was just time. I could not live a lie anymore. Okay. So and and then you came out and just told your close friends and family? Oh, absolutely. And you were talking about how there are uh, large sections who still don't know about this and they don't need to know about this. It's an it's an as-need basis, right? Well, I think most of my family and extended family know. Uh, but, you know, and um, I think uh, it's an as-need a basis, absolutely. You know, I think, I mean, so what makes me different from a straight man? Nothing really other than my Nothing sexual really. orientation. So I'm the same person. Nothing has really changed, Okay. I would treat you the same way. And exactly. I expect you to treat me the same way. And that's the, it's the reciprocation. But that's actually true. Unless you are uh, somebody's father or somebody's significant other or a spouse, what your orientation is has nothing to do with anybody else. Because to a sister, you will still be a brother. To, to a mother, you will still be a son. And it's, it's that relationship. That kind of relationship is not going to change at all. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm noticing in India you have all these pride events also happening in June is the pride month. Do you want to tell us something about that? So, you know, the reason 
June is designated as a Pride Month is because it is in the United States in, in the month of June in New York at the Stonewall Inn was the first protest, actually. And that's where for gay rights. And that's how, you know, Pride became, uh, you know, June is the Pride Month. So traditionally, uh, I think in Dallas, we used to have uh, Pride events later on in the summer in September. The last couple of years, they moved it up to June, actually. But again, um, this year due to COVID crisis, everything has, all events have been actually canceled. So it's, it's an, you know, every weekend, it's, an, it's a month where you can come out to your workplace people, to your family, to your friends and extended, and be proud of who you are. And, uh, you know, demonstrate a proud, proud of who you are. So I think it's important because even in today's world, even in the Western world, even in the United States or Europe, it's still kind of shunned upon. And, uh, you know, a lot of religious communities don't accept homosexuals as yet, or homosexuality. So with all the advances you've made, with all the uh, amenities that are available, it's still, you're not fully accepted in society. So I think these kind of events like Pride are important to, for people to realize that we exist. We are not, you know, we're not, we're not in hiding anywhere, we exist. We are here to exist and we're not going anywhere and you better accept us. And we are just like you and everybody else. You're not different. Absolutely. We're different, well, but we're not different. That's different, but not so different. You're absolutely so right. Different. And um, so what kind of prejudices do you think the straight community has towards the LGBT community? Well, I think, you know, one of the, uh, obviously they think it's unnatural. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to speak for a straight person. So I'm, you know, I'm presuming that they consider it unnatural. Um, again, it's your own self-confidence. And then I guess as a straight person, if you are not willing to, if, if you're very deeply religious and your religion tells you not to accept it, then you follow your religious leader or whatever. Thirdly, maybe, maybe you're not a confident enough person. And then when you see the you know, person, you feel that, oh my God, is he going to attack me? Is he coming across to me in the same manner? Okay. So it's I think just, it's, you know, uh, are you living within the tenets of the community? It's a set rules, you're breaking the rules and therefore you're a pariah. So I can tell you about one of the prejudices that I've heard about, um, a common misconception that the straight community, some people in the straight community have about the gay community is that they feel that if they mingle with gays, then um, they might hit, hit upon them. So I'm assuming that's not the case. Uh, just because you're gay doesn't mean you're going to catch the first person and hit on them. You have to find them attractive and they have to be reciprocal, right? That's what I said. So if I meet a straight guy, it's his self-confidence. Today where I am, I'm going to meet you. I'm going to shake your hand. I'm going to be who I am, whether I'm gay or straight or whatever. But you know, I, I guess if you're not confident of yourself and who you are, then you're going to feel that I'm coming across to you in that Correct. manner. Correct. So um, a straight person can be an ally to the LGBT community. How do you think? Oh, absolutely. And your family, we, that's what pride is about. You get your family in, you get your straight brothers and sisters in, and they're ally because that's, you know, so for instance, my sister, you know, she works in a community and she meets another person who is gay, who's not so sure about coming out. She can always say, you know what? I have this brother of mine. He's gay. He's proudly out. You're going to be fine. And they could probably help support the next person. Okay, that's that's right. So yes, straight people can be allies to the LGBT community. And uh, what would you say to somebody who is uh, who may be gay out there, who's listening to you at the moment, but does not uh, is not ready to come out of the closet? 
Okay, so um, I've thought about the subject very deeply, obviously, having gone through this. Um, I'm going to say one thing and one thing only. I'm going to say be true to yourself. You're going to come out when you're ready to come out. Coming out is a very, very, very personal process. Uh, there's really no set time. And I've talked to various people across various communities. And coming out is exceedingly personal. There are some who are ready to jump out of the box and be right there. So that it takes them years. You know, it depends on what kind of an environment you've been in, who your surroundings are, what kind of religious background you come from. And so first you have to accept yourself, number one. And once you accept yourself to who you are, then probably you can come out to others. At least in my case, that self-acceptance took a very, very, very long time to accept who I truly are. So we push it away, push it away. and So when I meet people who are still in the closet from the Indian community, at least from my perspective, I tell them, be true to who you are. Please don't get forced into an arranged marriage just to please your parents. Okay, because then, you know, you're not being true to yourself. You're not being true to the other person. Don't make the same mistakes I made. So you can learn one thing from me. Be true to who you are. And you may not come out to your parents. They may not know. You, know, you can take your own time. When the time is right, you will feel it's right. And everything will go your way. And when it's right, there's always enough of a support system around you. So in Dallas and in the United States per se, we have an organization called CUSH and in Dallas it's called CUSH Texas. And at least that is an organization that gave me some kind of a you know, background before I did come out. I met some of them a couple of years ago. So you knew there were other people like you in the community. It was not, you're not here by yourself. I think there are lots of resources available around you. I'd say look for resources, talk to friends and family. And you know, we are, I'm available to speak to anybody. If they want to call me and speak to me, I'm happy to meet them. And support okay is there an email or something they can reach you at or yeah you know you can reach me at neil0766 at gmail.com okay so that's awesome uh, you just heard dr neil talk about how he's available for anyone who may have any further questions or uh, you know basically whatever you would like to ask him about you can definitely do that uh, in that email that he just mentioned is there anything else you'd like to share with us today dr neil no, I think we covered a wide range of subjects. Uh, I think I covered where I was, and um, I think I have nothing more to contribute, actually. I think I covered what I want to say on the show. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's wonderful hearing your experience and your your personal journey. I mean, uh, we're honored that you chose us to share share this with. Thank, well, thank you, you so for much. having me, and I, I hope I could make a difference in somebody's life, at least. I hope so, too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Aparna. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you have reached this far, how awesome are you really? You could have been doing a hundred other things and yet you chose to listen to the journey of an LGBT individual. Thank you so much. If you liked this episode, please share with your friends and family. I'll be back next week with another LGBT guest, another journey, another identity. Until then, have a wonderful week ahead. Thank you for your time.